Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And a warning that today's show contains audio images and discussion of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who have died. This special Doing Time broadcast is part two of an annual tribute to Uncle Ray Jackson, a Wiradjuri warrior for human rights who was one of Australia's most vocal and knowledgeable deaths in custody campaigners. He was born 27th of March 1941 and died on the 23rd of April 2015. A fight of the Koori Justice, or FKJ, as he always signed his weekly emails. Ray Jackson spent nearly 30 years holding our police, prison, prisons and court systems to account every time a black fellow died in custody. He dedicated his life to fighting for justice and human rights of Aboriginal people affected by the so-called criminal justice system and all people affected by state violence. To the end of his life, Uncle Ray Jackson remained a tireless fighter for Australian and other First Nations peoples and an uncompromising internationalist. All this and more was discussed in part one of this series during a powerful interview with Joseph Pugliese, a long-time friend of Ray Jackson. Today in part two, further tributes will be paid to Uncle Ray from the following people. Lisa DeLuca, friend of Ray Jackson. She considers him her mentor. I believe they worked together on Aboriginal deaths in custody campaigns in Istja. Sergio Zorino and Nick Whitehead, who worked extensively with Ray in the trade unions, and they will give a history of Ray's work, which is little known, especially in the area of occupational health and safety. Carolyn Jackson, Ray's daughter, who helped organise this show today, and Raul Bussey from Istja, who worked alongside Ray campaigning to build the movement to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody. So pretty soon we will be speaking with Lisa. 3CR Community Radio is dedicated to exploring the issues that affect our future. Because I think it is something we just need to be talking about. 855am. Tune in and listen up. And you're back with the Doing Time Show. Hello, Lisa. Welcome to the program. Oh, hi. It's lovely to have you. Thank you. <laughs> Good to be here. 
You know, it's it's very refreshing to have some new people on today's show because I've been doing these memorial shows for, you know, every year now for Uncle Ray and it's always good to have a fresh perspective on, on celebrating his life and some of the work that he's done. Can you tell us, like, give us, tell us a little bit about yourself and talk about some of the work that you've done with Ray and how you met him and, and just talk about him and how you feel. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I'm a criminal lawyer. Uh, I've been a criminal lawyer for 30 years in Sydney. Uh, I first met Ray, oh gosh, it would be decades ago, really when the TJ Hickey thing happened. Yep. Um, and I'd been at rallies and seen him in action and was always really impressed with what he was doing. Um about, oh, geez, it would have been about 2012, 2013, I um, approached him and I said, look, um, I've got a bit more time on my hands. Can I do anything? And so Ray opened me with, uh, welcomed me with open arms and we became um, friends and colleagues and we worked together and he really influenced me and my politics and the way that I practice the law in a way that nobody else ever has, really. How so? Uh, well, he made me realise um, that there is a large part of the community which is unrepresented. And despite the fact that we call it a justice system, justice isn't working for those people. I'd always been aware of deaths in custody, of course, uh, since I really began practising law, but it was Ray who hammered that home to me that uh, we really need to be fighting for them because uh, nobody else is. And Ray showed me how to do that. And he made me, I suppose you would call it militant, uh, whereas I, I wasn't really militant before. I wasn't as active as I really should have been, and he opened my eyes to that. And were you doing work in Istria at the time? Um, well, I'd known him many years before I started working with Istria. Yeah. Um, I started after that conversation that we had after a rally. I think it was for the Eddie Mar one of the Eddie Murray rallies, one of the really the older deaths in custody. Uh, matters that we started talking and we started organising better and Uncle Ray would sort of ring me when there was a death in custody and we'd have to um, help the families and make sure that evidence was preserved and um, the right people the right people were put in place to help the families so yeah uh, oh, I, I, suppose I, was, I suppose I was part of his chair even before I realised I was part of his job. <laughs> yeah. That happened to me too when I in Melbourne. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah. It has it's a way crazy, of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what it sounds like to me is that you you're actually supporting not just Ray, but also the families of the Aboriginal people that have died in custody and you looked at a different way of practising law? Definitely, because I feel that the orthodox ways of dealing with it, with death in custody, aren't working. So um, 
we've got to find another way of dealing with it um, because the people that should be stepping in and dealing with it, i.e. the government, are not, and they're not holding themselves to account. And the police are investigating themselves over possibly criminal actions, and that shouldn't be. There should be independent uh, investigators brought in. That's not happening. So Ray sort of impressed on me that there needs to be an unorthodox way of looking and dealing with the the spectre of death in custody. And so you used to go through through some of the evidence with him? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I still have a lot of the files that he gave to me before he passed away. Um, again, you know, nothing of substance has really been done as far as um, getting justice for the families. There's people who've fought and for their for their family member and passed away before seeing justice. So, yeah, there's a, a number of files that are still in my office um, that I look at with with sadness um, and with a little bit of helplessness, actually, still. Yes, no, it's very true what you're saying. And, and interestingly, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about some of the interviews that I've conducted with Ray over the years. He was on our show about once a week on the, on this show. Yeah. And he was such a, a wonderful contributor. And as you're speaking about the files, one of the things that com- that's coming to mind is the way that Ray would talk about the autopsies of the people that died in custody with such precision, you know, with such detail. Mm. And he would discuss the evidence, you know, and we would talk about in the context of police investigating police. Mm. Mm. I often wondered how that affected him, uh, given his background of being stolen and the trauma that he would have endured during his lifetime. I often wondered how seeing the trauma of his his mob, his own people, um, affected him. But he re- it really never sort of showed. He never ever um, sort of got down or thought, oh, I'm giving up or this is all too hard. He was just so relentless in his pursuit of justice for those people. It was, I, I don't know where he found his energy. Uh, what I do think is, though, that he dealt with his own trauma by helping others. I think that is was obvious from uh, anyone who knew him, even even briefly, that that's how he dealt with it. Uh, and it was selfless and it was relentless and it, there, there was nothing suspicious or, um, you know, a lot of people in the activist community, you, you sort of wonder what their agenda is and what their uh-huh. motives are. Rays were pure always pure and with such an energy and passion. Um, and and it wasn't even confined to Aboriginal people, anyone that was downtrodden or anyone. oppressed. Um, I, I remember I was talking with Caroline, his daughter, just recently about just an example of the man that he was, and she didn't know about this. Um, my husband's Irish, so I have a very close connection with the Irish and Northern Irish community. And um, one of the young lads out here had um, his father had been killed by British loyalists in in Northern Ireland, and Ray and his um, colleague or friend uh, Anne Duffy Lindsay 
raised funds to get him on that plane and they put him on the plane. And he still says to me that day that it was the loneliest plane trip he'd ever had, but it was it meant so much to him that Ray and Anne were there at the airport with him to support him. Um, oh. And that's the type of man Ray was. He did He did it quietly. He didn't go in for the photo ops or the, the big talks. He was just him and he did what he had to do and he did it quietly, which is rare and just so admirable. You know, it's very true what you're saying and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it wasn't just Aboriginal people, it was refugees, asylum seekers. Mm. And although his legacy does live on and there are some excellent activists out there, there is a special kind of unity that he formed with all communities and I think that died with him. Yeah, I don't think we that. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's irreplaceable, but yeah, I think you're right. The legacy that he left um, has, been, has been taken up by some amazing people, uh, Raul Bassi being one of them, um, and, you know, countless people that I, I can't even mention at the moment because I'm a bit nervous talking publicly. That's but, okay. <laughs> but, now, Lisa, you've, you've, done, you've done exceptionally well with this interview, and there's going to be four people paying tribute to Ray, but I'd really like to have you on at some stage, um, if, 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 if that could be possible, just to talk sure. about deaths in custody at some other stage. Sure, of course. Happy to do that. You have um, made a wonderful contribution to the show. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you, Marissa. Take care. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Do you have a few children's picture books or footy boots that your kids have outgrown but want to find them a loving home? Well, drop them in at 3CR and put them in the Books and Boots bin. Books and Boots regularly sends pre-loved children's picture books and sports footwear to remote and regional First Nations communities and children across the country. Contact us at Books and Boots or go to the website www.booksandboots.org.au We love a good book. Time show, and we're going to be on to our second interview, our second tribute, and it's with two um, surviving union guys. And I've spoken to Sergio Zodino, and also Nick Whitehead will be joining us as well to pay tribute to Ray, Uncle Ray Jackson, and just to talk about some of the little known things that happened about Ray's early days and union activity. Hello, Sergio Nick. Hello, how are you? Good. Good afternoon. So, okay, so that's Nick there. Nick. (laughs) Lovely. Try to get a bit closer to the phone, guys, if you can. I am, sir. Perfect. Okay, so who wants to start in in terms of talking about um, Uncle Ray? I mean, I know the two of you have done some great work with him, and I mean, Sergio, we were talking off air, off air, weren't we, about unions and about yeah. they're not like how they used to be. That's, that's correct. I first met Ray when I was a young whippersnapper, you know, fresh out of um, school, virtually. Um, I was a research, newly appointed research officer uh, for the FEDFA. It was an engine, the Engine Drivers Union, 
And I visited the oil refinery at uh, Shell Clyde. It's a huge place that employed more than 200 of our members out there at the time. And Ray was uh, one of the uh, delegates. He was a, a union delegate on the job. And I think that uh, similarly, uh, Dick met, um, Dick met, met um, Ray at the refinery. Yes, that's correct. Um, what we what we were doing at the refinery is organising the workers. Uh, well, in fact, they were they were very well organised themselves. And Ray was um, in charge of the. Um, his he was a shift delegate with the PPU, uh, and the PPU is a. Um, there were five plants, I think, from memory, on at the refinery, and the polypropylene unit was the unit that he was working on. He was a shift delegate there, and. He then served on what was called the Refinery Operators Group, uh, which was the the body that um, the union organised at the job level. And I think that um, in those early days, I'm talking about the mid 70s, um, in the in that period, mid 70s to late 80s, um, we had lots of disputes both both at the refinery and also through the maintenance workers who would come onto the refinery to work in what was called shuts. Yes. The shuts had many thousands of, uh, or many hundreds of workers carrying out maintenance work, and what we discovered, Ray discovered it, the use of guest workers from Korea who worked for less than the award wages and conditions, uh, it erupted into a major dispute at Granville, the Shell Oil Refinery, <clears throat> and the dispute caused the Fraser government to back down from guest workers. These guest workers were an embarrassment to everybody and they were working for a hell of a lot less than what the award wages were. The conditions where they had them living in a camp were terrible and the uh, there was... A fair bit of drama about the food that they were being served up. And Ray took it upon himself to, and the rest of the committee there, to start a campaign. And that's where I got called out there to find out what was going, with, going on with these guest workers and uh, what was involved in it. Uh, and eventually what happened was that the Fraser government at the time was trying to flood the country with these guest workers and effectively, Ray, through the organisation of pressure that they placed on the Shell Oil Company, they stopped this type of employment operating at the refinery and, and it forced Fraser and the government to back down on their plan to introduce cheap labour into Australia way back then. So he was he was involved in part of that. I, I remember that Ray was um, as a shift delegate. He was really technically really good. You know, he he operated the polyprop unit, which was really console operators. They were operating you know sort of technical operations on these consoles to build uh, to make polypropylene uh, products, which are really plastics. Um, and, and Ray's knowledge uh, was un incredible about how he could uh, operate that plant. And I, I do remember that um, when I visited the refinery regularly, uh, we used to have the regular meetings that the refinery operators group would call. There'd be 200 of us, you know, in the in the main mess hall out at the refinery, and Ray would get up there, and uh, he would, I think he was the treasurer of the ROG. He had a really responsible position, 
and he uh, he he learnt a lot of his skills in representing the workers both at the plant and also getting other workers like Dick to come in, who was an organiser, to come in and talk to the refinery workers about campaigns that were happening outside the refinery that we needed to get their support. And Dick was involved in that. Yeah. The, there was a number of disputes around the guest labour and one of them started just before Christmas, uh, probably two weeks before Christmas, 1980, and the company thought that they'd wear them down because of the Christmas break and they'd uh, toss in the uh, towel and walk away from the dispute. But they went right through the Christmas period without getting their Christmas pay or anything, and Ray was leading them, one of the leaders in it, and he did a marvellous job. He he really did a good job. I also remember, uh, Marissa, that um, when I went out there one, on one occasion, we were trying to set up what was called the Workers' Health Centre, which was at Lidcombe. It was mainly started by women workers, clothing workers, out in the western suburbs here in Sydney. And um, these uh, workers uh, had banded together and they were just trying to support the the research centre of the you know, researching workers' safety and Ray led a, 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 a motion at the refinery calling for the, the ROG that they had a slush fund, you know, what we call a slush fund, a, a working fund, a fighting fund, and the fund would... Uh, and he called for a massive donation to be given to the Workers' Health Centre to conduct research. And it was Ray's initiative that, that, caught, that, that um, pulled that off. And they, they uh, donated substantial amounts of money to, the, to support the Workers' Health Centre initiatives, which were, in those days, were pioneering work that was, that was occurring about protecting workers' safety rather than what we call preventative, rather than accident pay, which was what the unions used to sort of look for. You know, if you, if you got you know, hit by, by something that was known, such as poly... I was, I was researching poly, uh, poly uh, uh, carbons and the effect of polycarbon... Um, um, polycarbon um, on the body. Uh, ozones on the body, yeah. And and Ray would, would be, you know, also learning through the Workers' Health Centre how that was. So he was very good at doing research and in those, in those early days he started to learn how, how to research these sort of complex um, medical and, and OHS uh, problems. Incredible. Ray, it's just incredible. Yeah. Ray and I... Uh, had four days at the Clyde Cameron College uh, at Aubrey, Wodonga. And uh, during that time, we had a fair bit of spare time to research the effects of PCBs, polychlorinated biphenyls. And I was amazed by this bloke's knowledge, Uncle Ray's knowledge. It was marvellous. And uh, we wrote a paper, and it was distributed widely, uh, about eight or nine pages, full-scap full pages. And what eventually occurred, uh, the Union Carbide plant had been manufacturing Agent Orange and that for the Vietnam War, and there was a hell of a lot of residue uh, came from that site, which was on the shores of uh, Homebush Bay and that, 
that uh, there was the, the water became contaminated, the silt on the bottom was contaminated something fearsome, and when the government uh, uh, did a, a survey and analysed what was in the water, they subsequently put a ban on commercial fishing on the upper reaches of the Hunter of the Parramatta River and of Sydney Harbour, and that ban still stands. I've been advised. Commercial fishermen can't work there anymore and they have signs up, no water sports and like skiing and all that sort of thing. So and Ray contributed to that, did he, you and Ray? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's a yes. long-standing thing that happened. Very that's amazing. That was way back. Yeah. yeah it's pretty stuff. incredible, isn't it? I mean, it's... Um, Nick and Serge, I really appreciate how the two of you have come on and talked about all this. And we've prepared for it, haven't we, in many ways? And and I know, Serge, you, you were talking about off-air about how Ray collected newspaper articles. And, and maybe you and Nick could talk about that, about the occupational health and safety um, yeah. workers when, when, that died. Yeah, when when uh, Dick was working as an organizer, Dick, I, sorry. I was, yeah. Yeah, I was I was uh, the state secretary, so this is early 80s. Uh, I was the state secretary of the engine drivers and I remember uh, Ray saying to me that he wanted to have a go at, you know, organizing as a union official full time. So he came off a well-paid uh, refinery operator's job. They were well, they were shipworkers, they were really well paid. And he came in and did work for the mass of our members. We had something like oh, I don't know, 8 or 10,000 members. In the state, we've built that up to about 15,000 members. And he was running around, you know, with Dick, and they were running from job to job doing all sorts of stuff. And Dick remembers one occasion where he, he used to go out and help injured workers in hospitals. He all talked about, about that. But I remember Ray and I going out to many different jobs um, and, you know, helping the workers in their, with their various problems to do with safety. He had such a passion for safety that he, when after he left the union and, and, and whilst he got involved in the Indigenous justice um, uh, commitments that he had, he used to... Um, I know I used to supply him with the tapes, videotapes, blank ones, and, uh, and tapes for, you know, uh, audio tapes, and he used to ap- ap- scan all the media and every, dis- every issue to do with disputes on safety, he would tape them. And if there were fatalities um, on the workplace, you know, building industry fatalities, he would he would get the details, and he would keep incredibly detailed, um, you know, contemporaneous uh, records of all the safety issues that were up uh, up and going at the time. And he he amassed a, an, an incredible library of that work, and I, I really you know I really admired him for doing that. Dick and, and Serge, it's nearly the end of our interview because we're going to be having Carolyn on next, but I'd love to have you back at some stage to do some more recordings about all this. We'd love to. Uh, we'd love to be involved. I'm sure. Yes. That, I'm sure that Dick and I would. Um, we'll try and sort of dig up a lot of a lot more of what Ray actually yeah. was involved with us, and uh, we've got to jog our memories at the moment. I just had some paperwork that where Ray was employed at the Workers' Health Centre, and he wrote to Dick, for example, and in 1988, and Dick uh, remembers, that's how he remembers the PCB in, in, uh, incident, 
But Ray was involved in many of the other, you know, uh, industrial campaigns that we waged at the time and uh, helped to, you know, ha have a, a strong union because we were a small union, but we were very strong. We had... Powerful. We were very powerful in a sense. Key position. Yeah, lots of industries, and that's what was one of our strengths we had. And Ray understood that because he he fought the multinationals at the refinery and won. So he knew how to win. And that's why I think those skills, uh, you know, sort of um, uh, held with him when he was working, you know, against, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the powers that be in terms of, you know, a wrongful arrest and harassing people when they're arrested and they're the downtrodden and, you know, they're and helping them to, you know, to fight the, uh, the, 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 uh, the powers that be. Absolutely. Surgeon Nick, thank you so much. Dick, why am I calling you? Sorry about that. <laughs> it's Dick, isn't it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. about that. I don't know what's going on with me today. It's been a long day. <laughs> but look, it's, it's lovely to have you both. You've, you've spoken very powerfully um, in regards to Ray. Are there any final comments that either of you want to make? Well, it's fantastic to hear that people are recognising uh, some of the uh, things that he's done and they'll hear about these sort of things and he's one of our Indigenous brothers who took up the cudgel to try and look after people, not only Indigenous people but rank and filers on jobs. Yeah, and, and from my point of view, I'm, we're, we're trying to collect the, the research that we're doing to um, produce a book uh, we, and we hope that uh, Ray will feature as a prominent um, activist in this book that we're uh, that we're uh, that we're prepared to write to um, document his legacy so that you know the wider world knows what what the, the you know the Ray Jacksons of this world did uh, for workers um, as they came through you know through the through the trade union movement and as they worked uh, you know on to other things that uh, that they were involved in uh, activists um, that we were Absolutely. Look, you two have done a fabulous tribute. Thank you so much for that. Good on you. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you, and we'll talk very soon. Good. Bye, Marissa. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Radical Radio 3CR. The Black Lives Matter movement is not going away here or overseas. It gives me hope. Seeing the numbers of people that turn out to these Invasion Day demonstrations in Melbourne. It gives me the understanding that we will win, folks. We will succeed! You're listening to Radical Radio on 3CR. 855 on your AM dial, 3CR digital and podcasting and streaming on 3cr.org.au. with the Doing Time show. And our next tribute is Carolyn Jackson, who is the daughter of, of Uncle Ray. Hello, Carolyn. Welcome to the program. Hi, Marissa. How are you? Oh, Carolyn, great. Thank you for organising um, 
Serge and Dick for the show. They were just incredible. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Oh, well, I haven't met... I, I, I know Serge. I've spoken to Serge, but um, back in the days when Dad used to work with him. And, yeah, um, yeah so... Yeah, I'm glad that they were able to come on and, you know, talk about him and his um, other things that he was doing before, um, previous things before Black Death and Custody and, and and all the other achievements that he's done and his goals and and everything else that he he's um, done in his lifetime before he passed away. So yeah. it's just great to hear stories from other people, you know. They know him from other sections. So, which is which is fantastic. Which is really good. It really is, and it, you know, it's interesting how all of this is just meant to be. I know last time you you couldn't come because you weren't well, and maybe mm. if that if you hadn't if you had come on, maybe this wouldn't have happened. You know, these things have a way of sorting themselves out. That's right, exactly. No, it was really good. I just heard the last bit, uh, last captions of it before I came on air, and um, yeah, it was really good. I'm so excited for this book when it comes out. So, and I'm really, you know, looking forward to meeting up with Serge and actually talking about, you know, other things about Dad and so like, you know, it's exciting. So, looking forward to that. It seems like every, it seems to be like every year since Dad's passing, there's something, you know. Great that comes out, like you know, with this Deathscapes, this website, and you know, for that's been used in criminal law in universities, and you know, he's um, you know, he's also Doctor of Letters, and it's just fantastic. All these good achievements, all these positive things, you know, that everyone can learn and also keep his you know, his legacy going, which is just great. And Lisa also came on at the beginning and she was talking about how Ray, Uncle Ray helped her with um, learning more about criminal law and how to handle Aboriginal deaths in custody and she used to help him with, with all the families. Yes, that's right, she did, yes. Yeah, she's great, Lisa. She's like part of our family and, um, you know, and oh, yeah, she's just wonderful. She's just such a lovely lady. And um, she really respected that and loved Dad so much, you know. And, you know, and she wouldn't be where she was without, you know, a part of Dad, you know, helping her, you know. And, you know, it's just it's just really good how good things have come out of all this. And especially, like I said with Lisa, now she does criminal law. And, you know, so... That's right. And, Carolyn, how are you bearing up with your, with your Dad's death? I imagine it's still... It's it's still there. Like, you can never get over something like that. Yeah, no, it's still there because there's a lot of things that you wish you said or done before, you know, because he went unexpected. Like, I was supposed to see him on that, you know. He passed away on the Thursday and I was supposed to go and see him on the Friday. And, um, yeah, it was just hard because, you know, we were supposed to do things on that day and before he came out, you know, after he came out of hospital. We didn't get a chance to, and you know, just some things that you wish. And I just wish I, you know, told him how yeah. proud I was, you know, of him more, you know. So, but you weren't aware of the extent of his achievements and how yeah. much he's touched people and uh, all of all walks of life. And and I didn't, I wasn't aware of any of this before he passed away, because dad dad wasn't the type of man that would gloat. You know no. what I mean? He would. He kept us family, his family, his family, and all these other things that he had. That was him, and for those people and those families, he he. he it's like as if he had two families, you know. So, and, and, yeah. 
And it's just that, and I just wish I knew more and was involved more before he passed away. But but keeping his, but like I said, but keeping his legacy going and and getting people excited and like and people listening and and following his trying to follow what he was trying, what he was succeeding until he passed away is good. So. Absolutely. And I, feel by doing, and I find by doing that, I feel like that I'm helping his legacy move, move on as well by getting people involved, which is great. Absolutely. So coming on there today, which is just really, really good. And I'm just very, very grateful that you, Marissa, as well, you are like family to us. And um, that the fact that you have us on there and you're, you keep his legacy going and your listeners. So I'm really thankful for you and your listeners for listening in. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really, it's really respected. It's really good. So thank you. And thank you. Th- thank you for, for helping to organise the show. And we've done a very special two-part series this year. And, and thank you very much for, for helping me on this show. Right. And, and thank you. Looking forward to hearing from you again as well. You too, Carolyn. I know I know you've you've got something to go to next, but um all good. Okay, you take no. care. No, thank you, Marissa. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye bye. Thank you, bye. Bye bye. You're listening to three C R Community Radio A five five AM on digital and online. Three C R Radical Radio. Have you heard of long COVID? If you or someone you know have had COVID-19, you may still experience symptoms weeks or months later. There are many symptoms of long COVID, but the most frequent are extreme tiredness, shortness of breath, and muscle aches and joint pains. Anyone can experience long COVID, including children. You can find information in your language on the Health Translations website, healthtranslations.vic.gov.au. Just type long COVID as a keyword. A 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time show, I believe. And we are now wanting to go to Roll Bassey from Samitra. Yes. Yes, good afternoon. Wow, that is a most strange noise. What is that? No, no, I, uh, I mean, uh, I, I stop in the road. Oh, my uh, God, I, re- I freaked out. I thought, what's it sounds like, a, a spaceship or something? No, no, no. no. <laughs> No yet, no yet, oh no, my yet, God, no, yet no yet, no yet. Explosions, no yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, never, never, said no. That's right. But listen, I, we haven't got no much yet. time left, so let's stay on track here. Yeah, come on, come on, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the all my, you're our final tribute for Uncle Ray Jackson. We've had some wonderful people. Carolyn Jackson was just before you. Can you just tell us what you remember about Uncle Ray and, and his work and, and your relationship to him? Uh, look, I'm, I have to remember him not only for what he did, if not, what well, the thing that we cannot do because he's not here. 
understand it's very easy to remember uh, things like uh, when something happened, what we're going to do, what are the ideas, what are the experiences, you know, that he got more experience than anyone. And so that implies a lot of advantage, a connection with people in another places, and every time there is a difficulty outside of our possibilities, uh, he will be con knowing somewhere in the community, you know, and start to get the things. The same thing when we do something that we want to be national, he will be in charge to call the people to do it together, you know what I mean? Yeah. That sort of stuff. You you can I mean I can do some of the stuff because he was a very good uh, tutor for me, uh, but uh, it's not enough. Okay, it's not enough because he was much more than one person. And you two and, and other people in in East Just Sydney would be involved a lot with the passport ceremony as well. Were you involved with that? Oh yes, I got my passport. Yes, yes, I got it. Yes. Can you we tell us about the passport ceremony? The paper ceremony, it came because uh, there was a... Uh, he always got the idea, the passport ceremony, not for Aboriginal people, because there, there were some versions of passports, passports for Aboriginal people. Um, it's not for the non-Aboriginal people. They, would, they, would to, they want to support the Aboriginal people. Understand? So uh, the passport for it was organized with that thing, only for no aboriginals. And uh, we do a, a, a great meeting in, um, in the settlement, and we, organize, we got a, we printed some passports. There were about, I, I think it was around 200, 250 that we, we had. But also, they were involved people from Palestine and a particular person that they were going to visit uh, Assange in, in England. And uh, he took a passport for, for Assange of the Asia passport, okay? Yeah. That is the, 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 the thing that it was a very, very good uh, meeting. Um, and I, something that he wanted to do it for, for some time, you know? And, uh, and that, that moment that things happened and boom. With that, okay. That was the passport. Uh, the other thing that he he want to do that was the, what happened is interesting. Uh, he was to restart the marches for Invasion Day. Yeah, all good. Okay, because uh, we didn't do anything, and many people used to go to the. Uh, to do nothing, they just go to the Yaboon Festival or something like that, but nothing. And we made a first march, I can't remember the year, but it was uh, about easy 10 years ago. We were about 150 people, but we marched from uh, the Refn Community Center to the uh, Yaboon. And uh, the police wasn't very unhappy with us. That's um, good. Yeah, that's good. So basically, he he participated a lot in Invasion Day protests, and oh, that yeah. was really important. Yes, yes. We, we got that. He he marched. I, I, it was a it was a, a, a train. I don't know what he got it, but 
if you watch, but not very good for the, uh, your feet, your legs, the legs, you know, the things things happen. Um, we marched together uh, in the I think it was the 40th anniversary of the ten embassy in Canberra. Oh, the embassy. Yep. Yeah, we went to from the embassy to the to the Parliament House to the the ten embassy. You know, they all yeah. and he walked all the way, and because it was very slow, we on purpose every ten minutes or fifteen minutes we stopped, and because we were the last of the ride, um. and the police says you got to move. No, we are not going to move. You got to, you got to rest. Yeah, <laughs> that was brilliant. That's what that 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 thing in the. In the Quite incredible. Quite incredible. <laughs> yeah. And that's why uh, those things it showed who, 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 who was he. <laughs> it was much, much bigger than we think it was, okay? You've done and, a lot of work with him, and I've heard... I, you know, yes. I remember that I was talking to you a long time ago now about how, you know, you and Ray and, and the others would do a lot of work about TJ Hickey, you know, help supporting yes. his mother, Gail. Yes, we did so, and we keep doing. Yep. Okay. It's still happening. Uh, because, uh, yeah, yeah, because there is a situation that uh, every year I want to talk to her in December, or maybe sometimes in November, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Understand? And we talk what they, she wants to do, and we organize to do it. That's it. Yep. Understand? And, uh, and after that, I start to make the other stuff, uh, con, con, um, talk to the police, uh, start all the campaigns with the uh, leaflets, posters, you know, get the people working in that. And uh, we've been doing it, I think this year was the 70th anniversary, I think it was. Yeah. I think it was the 70th anniversary, I think. Um, and it was, uh, it was not to be, because it was in the middle of a big mess. I guess it still continues in many uh, parts of the, the activism in general. Um, but we did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. And that's why one of the things uh, we got an agreement uh, with Rai was when we think that we have to do something, we will do it. Regardless if it's going to be massive, if it's going to be small, but if we need to, uh, we need to do something, we do it. No, 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 no excuses the number, understand? Exactly. It's not to show to the people that when you believe in something, you have to do it. That's exactly that's right. And I think, Raul, that you're, you're, carry, you, you're carrying on the work of Uncle Ray, that you're doing, um, you know, liaising with the families, like you said, on the 14th of February. Um, TJ Hickey program that I did. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the program. Look, I've only got an hour, and I was able yes. to fit four of you in, so that's pretty good. Are there any final comments that you want to make before we finish? Yes, I, the main co- the main thing is that we have to start to think in new ways or new forms to do the things that we are doing. Yes, right. Because 
we cannot keep doing the things simple, say, okay, someone passed away, or killed, or was killed, or whatever. We make a rally, we got a more or less a good participation, but we, we should go, uh, keep doing this stuff. Not just uh, once and, and go home. Oh, I see. And, and the other thing is, try to combine the, the other different countries, because one thing that we are developing in Asia, like the idea that the many of the different countries in the last time are with a, a totally different each one, okay? But all got the same the uncommon point, that is the person died because, or the, or the police or, or, or prison office or whatever, they didn't care, okay? Or American thing didn't care, but the reality, the people, if it was attended in time, they were respected, and blah, 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 he would be alive. Palestine Melbourne in remembering the Nakba at a vigil at the State Library at 12 midday on Sunday the 15th of May. Nakba means catastrophe in Arabic and commemorates the displacement and ethnic cleansing of more than 700,000 Palestinians from their homes to create the State of Israel in 1948. 
The Nakbak continues with refugees from 1948 still living in refugee camps and more Palestinians being displaced as Israeli settlements continue to be built on stolen Palestinian land. The event will include naming and acknowledging many of the towns and villages destroyed by Israel. Nakba Day Ritual, midday, Sunday, the 15th of May, on the steps of the State Library of Victoria. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. And it's approximately 4.52 and we're nearing the end of our program. And I wanted to thank all four um, contributors of the show today. And I wanted to thank Carolyn, um, Raul, and also Nick and Serge. And at the beginning, we also heard from Lisa DeLuca as well, all um, speaking about Ray Jackson. So we're just nearing the end of this memorial program, part two. And I wanted to just conclude the program by leaving you all with a quote from Ray Jackson. And... It says, the invasion of the Aboriginal nations that began in January 1788 continues to this day, but after time it also allowed under statute a xenophobic and racist law that was used against my peoples and immigrants, refugees, especially if they were not white, in a social understanding. Ray Jackson, open letter to Kevin Rudd, MP, August the 5th, 2013. And I also wanted to tell, I apologise to listeners, um, through no fault of her own, Professor Bronwyn Carlson was unavailable to attend um, the show today, but I'm sure she's still with us in spirit anyway. So it's approximately 4.53. We're going to be going out pretty soon with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella by the Rumpy Band. And I was, I was particularly honoured to be able to bring you special coverage in this part two of the series of the memorial of Ray Jackson and really looking at his contribution to union activity and um, Uncle Ray's incredible, incredible work in regards to occupational health and safety issues and also wanted to also reiterate that Um, Uncle Ray was also from the Stolen Generation and he didn't know that he was Aboriginal until he was a teenager. And even, even then, even then as an adult, he never actually knew who his family was. And, um, wanted to also give out a special cheerio to Joseph Bugliese, who, um, was interviewed a couple of weeks ago during part one and talked quite a lot about the incredible campaign work that Uncle Ray was involved in for Aboriginal deaths in custody. So we're going to be having um, the next show up pretty soon, Climate Action, and it's approximately 4.54. We'll be going out now with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella by the Rumpy Band, and it's goodbye from Marissa. Stay tuned every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time show. Stay strong and take care of each other. Bye.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.